This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site there are totally free. And that's all there for you, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out here tonight. A little international uh, issue. And, well, I guess it's not really a little issue. It's kind of big and pretty important to a lot of people, especially those who are captive at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. According to the Washington Post, FBI agents witnessed possible mistreatment of the Koran at the military prison at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, including at least one instance in which an interrogator squatted over Islam's holy text in an apparent attempt to offend a captive, according to bureau documents released Yesterday. Now, this was earlier, uh, I think, last week when this news came out. And it's sort of, I think it's going to confirm some of the things that we'd heard about last year, some of the uh, just offensive things that these individuals were, were engaging in, these questioners, the, the interrogators at Guantanamo Bay, some of the things they were doing to, uh, to the Koran. Now, I, you know, it's just a book. I feel the same about the Koran as I feel about the Bible. It doesn't mean much to me personally, but it, it means a lot to the individuals that are uh, are captive down right. there. In October, and there's more. It's not just this article isn't just about what they did to the Koran. It's also about what they did to the individuals down there. In October 2002, a Marine captain allegedly squatted over a copy of the Koran during intensive questioning of, of a Muslim prisoner. When was it? October when? 2002. Okay, so it's been quite some time. Who was incensed by the tactic, according to an FBI agent. A second agent described similar events, but it's unclear from the documents whether it was a separate case. In another incident that month, interrogators wrapped a bearded pres- uh, prisoner's head in duct tape because he would not stop quoting the Koran. According to an FBI agent, the documents show the agent whose account was corroborated by a colleague said that a civilian contractor laughed about the treatment and was eager to show it off. That's not very nice. Uh, duct taping a bearded man. Right. That's what I was going to say. I mean, these guys, these guys have beards, uh, hair. I, I, it's one know. thing if you've got a clean shaven face to put duct tape over somebody's mouth. It's another thing entirely if you've got uh, hair on your face. It absolutely is. Because that tape's got to come off at some point. And when the tape comes off, it's going to hurt. Uh, and remember, these individuals that we're talking about here, you could sit there and listen to us talk, um, mention these items, and you could say to yourself, well, these are the the worst terrorists in the world. These are criminals. These are scumbags. Well, we don't know that. All we know is that they were rounded up. This Typically, the, 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 the general way these individuals have been put into Guantanamo Bay is that the U.S. government essentially paid off authorities in places like Pakistan, for instance. They said, hey, bring us some suspected terrorists, and we'll give you some cash. And so the people in Pakistan went and rounded up some people they didn't like, handed them over to the United States, got some cash payments, and now they're sitting in Guantanamo Bay. There's no trials that have been uh, occurring. We don't know if these individuals are dangerous. They're probably dangerous now that we've captured them and tortured them and harmed them. But before this, they could have been just, you know, shopkeepers. They could have been individuals engaging in business and going about their regular lives and had some people that didn't like them for whatever reason in the Pakistani governments or the other governments over there, and they got picked up and shipped off to Guantanamo. That certainly happened. Um, and they've also released quite a few people from Guantanamo they have. Um, uh, over the years now. So it's it's irresponsible to say that everybody in Guantanamo is uh, some shopkeeper that was picked up uh, 
for you know some cash payment. Until proven otherwise, they might as well be. But um, innocent until proven also, guilty, as far as I'm concerned. It's also irresponsible to hold somebody without a trial. Um, I mean, we have a very strange un-American. We have a very strange situation here because we haven't declared war. These people are essentially prisoners of war. Um, there's no, there's no end to this war in sight. There's no enemy in this war. Mm-hmm. Um, this just doesn't. It's just so difficult. Essentially, what we're de- dealing with is a criminal organization. War is um, a conflict between two Governments. countries. Mm. Um, and this is quote unquote a war. This is a, this is a conflict between us and a criminal organization. Um, us meaning the U.S. government. Us being the U.S. government. And, and I I don't know how we're supposed to deal with this, but it doesn't seem right to me to pick somebody up um, out of a foreign land and uh, put them in jail, um, prisoner uh, they're prisoners of war, make them a prisoner of war, um, treat them in what from what I can tell um, is a situation darn close to torture. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, being in prison stinks. We'd be outraged if this was, uh, or we should be at least outraged if this were an American, if this were a friend or family member of one of ours that were, was picked up here in the United States and treated in the way that these individuals are being treated. But for some reason, the government gets a pass when it comes to these people, and so many so many Americans will just look at what what's happening in Guantanamo and either ignore it. Put it on a shelf and forget about it, or uh, just not be outraged. Not, I mean, it's uh, the attitude of a lot of Americans is that these people aren't real people. That if you didn't happen to be born within the boundaries of the United States, you're not as much of a person. You're not as much of a human being as everyone else, and that's sick. Right. Um. You know, the way it goes, it seems, is that Americans are the first-class human beings. Um. White people that speak English and the rest of the world are second-class human beings, and and really, um, everybody else is a third class. The reports amount to new and separate allegations of religiously oriented tactics used against Muslim prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. After an erroneous report of Koran abuse prompted deadly protests overseas in 2005, the U.S. military conducted an investigation that confirmed five incidents of uh, intentional and unintentional mishandling of the book at the detention facility. They acknowledged that soldiers and interrogators had kicked the Koran, had stood on it, and in one case had inadvertently sprayed urine on a copy. How's that accidentally happen? The reports released yesterday were a result of internal investigation or survey, rather, conducted in 2004 by the FBI, which asked nearly 500 employees who had served at Guantanamo Bay to report possible mistreatment by law enforcement or military personnel. More than two dozen incidents were reported, including some that had the government or that the government had revealed in earlier document releases. The new documents were turned over as part of an ongoing lawsuit by the American Civil Liberties Union. In them, FBI employees had said they witnessed 26 incidents of possible mistreatment of detainees, including previously reported cases in which prisoners were shackled to the floor for extended periods of time or subjected to sexually suggestive tactics by female interrogators. In a previously unreported allegation, one interrogator bragged to an FBI agent that he had forced a prisoner to uh, listen to satanic black metal music for hours, Mm. then dressed as a Catholic priest before baptizing him. Mm. Now, this sort of behavior, I mean, would would offend a Christian. It's sick. I mean, if you had a Christian who was uh, captive by maybe some Muslim people, and they were urinating on the Bible or playing black metal music or doing offensive things, they would be outraged. They'd be yelling from the rooftops about how outrageous this was and how their Bible shouldn't be treated that way and their religion shouldn't be disrespected. It is outrageous. But yet, for some reason, it's okay to disrespect the Muslim religion. And I think it's, it's wrong. 
And I want to hear from you at 800-259-9231. Is any of this behavior appropriate? One agent reported uh, being told that while questioning male captives, female interrogators would sometimes wet their hands and touch detainees' faces in order to interrupt their prayers. Such actions would make some Muslims consider themselves unclean and therefore unable to continue praying. Hmm. Lieutenant Commander Joe Carpenter, a Pentagon spokesman. I mean, this is the equivalent of shoving uh, shoving pig intestines into a Jew's mouth if you've got them captive. I mean, just doing things that are religiously unacceptable to these individuals. A Pentagon spokesbureaucrat, Joe Carpenter, said in a statement last night that the issues and facts raised are not new and the 12 reviews have showed there were no Defense Department policies that condone the abuse. He says that uh, we treat detainees humanely. The United States operates safe humane and professional detention operations for enemy combatants who are providing valuable information in the war on terror. Hey, it's no big deal. It's like Club Med down there, according to this guy. FBI spokesbureaucrat Richard Kolko and all the informa- said all the information from the survey has been turned over to the Defense Department's Inspector General. I guess the suggestion is that they're going to investigate and then maybe bring a couple people up on charges, and of course that'll encourage them to uh, keep their mouths shut next time. It would seem to me that, um, I mean, 2002, uh, some of these uh, incidents are from, that, that mm-hmm. what you're talking about is people that are, might very well be out of the military at this point. Oh, sure. Well, now there's a new group of uh, sickos down there. I mean, the, what war encourages, this the situation that we're in encourages this sickness yes. on both sides. On both uh, the uh, the Iraqi side and the United States side, it encourages the sadist in in an individual who normally wouldn't be sadistic to come out, and that's a problem. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. There was a video I saw where there were some troops holding a bottle of water off the back of a truck as kids in Iraq ran after it. Along yeah. the way, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. For all your voice over IP needs, packet8.net. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features that we have there because they're all totally free, including the bulletin board system. Over 165,000 posts await you. Over 1,300 people interacting. There's a lot to uh, see and a lot to do, and it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. bbs.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections. And they do it in a whole new way. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. I'm talking about the uh, FBI report that has come out about some interrogation tactics that are a little bit questionable at old Guantanamo Bay. According to the details in the report, there are some pretty aggressive interrogation tactics going on. For instance, wrapping a prisoner in Israeli flag, subjecting others to extreme heat and cold, and aggressively using strobe lights on others. Such approaches were allowed under aggressive Pentagon detention policies in place at the time. We're talking about in 2002 and 2003. And the new documents include several instances in which interrogators appear to cite such approval as justification for their actions. But one FBI agent who visited Guantanamo Bay in the fall of 2003 described a tactic called the 
frequent flyer program in which detainees who were deemed uncooperative were placed on a list to be subjected to special sleep deprivation tactics. Oh, God. The prisoners were moved frequently from cell block to cell block at interview, uh, intervals of two to four hours, therefore interrupting their sleep, said the agent. In September, the Pentagon adopted new interrogation rules allow outlawing harsh techniques adopted at Guantanamo Bay, detention facilities in Iraq, or, or other prisons overseas since the September 11th attacks. And we all know that, well, since it's outlawed, now they're never going to engage in these things anymore. Now we can rest assured, Mark, that all of the prisoners that the United States has in its custody uh, in secret detention facilities around the world, we know Guantanamo Bay, not such a secret, but they've already admitted that they have the secret detention facilities. But they won't let the Red, Red Cross go in there and uh, check things out, oh, by the way. but didn't they close them down, so-called? Oh, yeah, just believe anything the government tells you. Sure, they've no, they're no longer using these harsh techniques. They've been outlawed. The secret prisons? Shut down! None of that's going on anymore. What, or have, is it? Have they been outlawed? I, I didn't see anything. Didn't like, old Bush say he was shutting them down after they, uh, they got caught for it? Yeah, but it doesn't make them outlawed. Of course. Well, okay, the, the prisons haven't been outlawed, but they claim to shut them down. That's right, they're going to shut them down and then open them up across town. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Maybe I'm just a little cynical, but I just don't believe the government when they say those things. Let's go to the phones to the fun and talk to Zach in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. How you doing, guys? Hey, hey. Zach. What's on your mind, sir? Um, first of all, I heard Mark had his uh, first run-in with the uh, local PD. Uh, he had a run-in with the Massachusetts police uh, like a couple months ago. Is this something else you heard about? Uh, no, I just heard uh, you guys were talking about it a couple days ago. Yeah, having getting a ticket. Yeah, that was in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, so you said he was walking when he supposedly nabbed you with the radar. That's uh, that's what my wife says. She saw him. I quite honestly never saw the guy. <laughs> huh. I just think that's kind of kind of funny when they try to pull stuff like that. Yeah. Well, now wait, why couldn't they do that when we, when we were driving and we got hit with the laser? Um, there were cops just standing on the side of the road shooting people with it. So it's not a – why is it unusual to suggest that they could walk and shoot people with the, the laser gun? Well, every time I've seen it, it's been mounted in the car. I guess we don't have the kind where you can just walk around. Yeah, I'm telling you, they were just standing on the side of the road pointing – looked like some sort of a weapon at, the, at traffic and just <laughs> plinking them as they came by. So I guess they made them a little more portable than maybe what hmm. you've seen. Well, um, anyways, I was just – I heard you guys talking about um, Guantanamo – Guantanamo and everything, mm-hmm. and um, I just if if we as the police used those kind of interrogation tactics, you know, people we get shut down. I just don't see how the U.S. Army can get away with it. Well, it's because there's not as much oversight. Um, there's not really any representatives that these individuals can call from their prison cells in Guantanamo Bay and complain about their treatment. It's not like uh, it's not like your local representatives or senators are going to get in trouble for what the guys down in Guantanamo are doing. There's no accountability at all there. Yeah. I mean, there's very little accountability anyway, even with the police department. And and you are the uh, you're the gentleman who called in who's uh, un- in undergoing police training right now, correct? Yep. Right. So in your in your case, there 
is some sort of accountability. There's the city commissioners or there's the rep, you know the local people, uh, the politicians that are elected, perhaps the sheriff who is also an elected position. So there can be some level of pressure applied to those individuals. Normally when cops get in trouble for doing things that are out of line, they still just get a slap on the hand and they most of them get away with it, what they do. And that's sad. But there are some examples from time to time of police officers actually getting in trouble. For instance, there was a story we reported on last year, Eugene Silas was a drug suspect that the police were investigating. Well, five cops went over to his house uh, off the books. It wasn't um, official that they were there. And they proceeded to beat uh, the, beat the living daylights in, out of this man and torture him. And the only reason they got in trouble was because the woman, uh, who his wife, who was present, she happened to start a tape recorder before they arrived. And then she left, and so the tape recorder picked up about 40 minutes of the cops beating this man. And if that tape hadn't have been there, then no one would have believed the claims of this guy. They never would have believed that he was beaten by those cops. The, the, in that particular example, those cops did get in trouble, but only because there was hardcore, firm evidence um, that showed that they were sickos. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to get even the police in trouble. And so I hope that shows you an example of how much more difficult it would be to get people who are in another country, in a military base down in Cuba, away from virtually any oversight. And it's just to show you how much more difficult it is to get them in trouble. Does it make yeah. sense? Yep. There you go, Zach. Any other comments? Uh, not right now. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You know, it reminds me of the uh, the experiment. Um, I can't remember which one it was called. You'll probably uh, remember off the top of your head. Um, the one where they uh, took the college students and they made some of them prisoners and some of them prison Stanford guards. Stanford prison experiment. The Stanford prison experiment. That's uh, I was I was going to use Stanford, but I wasn't sure what the people rest of was. Uh, the people who normally were just college kids just got into their roles, and the ones who were assigned to be the guards became s- s- sadistic. Sadistic, and the prisoners became um, complacent, compliant. Yep. Let's go to Matt in Israel on the amplifier line. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Matt. Yeah, guys, how are you doing? Great. Hey. What's on your mind? Uh, all those stuff in Guantanamo, you know, this is old news over here. We've been hearing about this stuff for, for years now, mm-hmm. decades, about, you know, in the, in the occupied territories. But actually, I did want to talk about, you are reading an article about how free trade hurts people. Yeah, well, that was the that? that was the title of the article. Of course, they were lying. They claimed that, they claimed <laughs> yeah, that what no, we have today not. is free trade, and that's not true. Yeah, that's protectionist free trade style. But, um... Well, I want to talk about, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I was a socialist back in my past, back in the day. Ah. And you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were, you know, uh, you explained this article fairly well, but if I was a liberal or a socialist listening to this, listening to this uh, I would have just ignored you because... I want you to explain why, I want you to explain why we're going to come back with you, okay? Hang on, more on the way, it's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that number, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free. 
And that does include the Shrine of Female listeners. we got dozens and dozens of ladies who've sent us, taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. What's your liberty issue? Privacy? Register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers include anti-real ID activist Jim Harper from the Cato Institute. Also in attendance will be the New Hampshire residents, legislat- um, residents and legislators active in the fight against the, nas- um, the National Real ID. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Register today. As we go back to the phones and back to Matt in Israel waiting patiently. Now, Matt, you said that you at one time were a socialist. And you were listening. Mm-hmm, yeah. You were listening to our. Uh, I guess we were talking about an article about so-called free trade versus so-called fair trade, and we were picking it apart pretty heavily on the air. But you said that if you were still a socialist, that uh, you would have had a. What, what would your response would have been to that? Absolutely ignoring. And let me tell you why. Okay. Um, uh, first of all, you know it's it's all about. I wouldn't have anything real, you know, to go at you, but it's the terminology. I mean, uh, when you took example, you know, of the tennis shoes and the, you know, the so-called, you know, the association you get in the head is Nike or something like this, you know, and you address to them as just business people wanting to make profit, you know, making the product as cheap as they can, you know, and that just seems as a monstrosity, you know. As soon as you say something like this, they're going to say, oh, those are just evil capitalists, you know, they're, they don't know anything they're talking about, so it's it's a terminology matter, and uh, you, and and also you're talking about the thing you were saying about the wages. It's absolutely true. I mean, I make twenty U.S. dollars a day over here. I'm being exploited, so-called, you know. But mm-hmm. no, just the currency issue. But so you were completely right about the wages. But when you're talking about um, the the conditions of the workers, the conditions are absolutely appalling, and they are being exploited. But what should be taken notice is it's not the corporations and all this. This is not what's going on. It's a business between big business, between corporations and the government, U.S. government and those third world governments. So basically, once again, the ones to blame are the government. It's not about blaming the trade it's or true, the free but- trade because... But now wait a minute. How yeah. can you say well, that the? How can you make the claim that the workers are being exploited? I know you probably don't really believe this, but how could somebody make the claim that a worker is being exploited if they're oh, indeed easily, free easily, to choose easily, to go easily, to work? You know, easily, easily, easily. You know, in a lot of cases, there are being exploited. For instance, take China. China, you have now a large uh, force. You know, you have a lot of people working there in factories for various American corporations, and. The, but the thing is, what, what the Chinese government did, they wanted to supply cheap workforce, workforce to tempt those business to come in their, to come in their country. So what they did, they, neglect, they neglected the countryside. You know, they did horrendous things in the countryside, forcing, uh, basically for a living, millions of people to immigrate. And then they just ended them out, you know, into those factories, and they're being treated like dogs over there. So... Now, I'm not blaming uh, the corporations necessarily. There are. So, wait, the government's forcing Chinese people to work in factories? Is that what Indirectly, you're yes. Indirectly? By doing terrible Indirectly. things to farms? Uh, by basically just, you know, China is a communist country, basically. Mm-hmm. And the far, and the, the rural areas, 
you know, millions of years ago, they were forcing everybody to go away to the villages and work in the villages, you know. And those are obviously, you know, the, the economy there is shattered. I mean, those farms are, they're, they're not really capable of sustaining themselves without government support. Hmm. So what the government did, as soon as they wanted to bring a lot of workforce into the cities to work for, for, to make sweetheart deals with American corporations, said, yeah, we're going to get you a lot of cheap labor. What we're going to do is, you know, we're just going to take all the social infrastructure we are making these villagers depend on. We're going to take those away and basically force them to immigrate to the city. That's I see, but did. once they come to the city, they still get to choose who they go to work for, right? Um, sort of. You know, it's basically it's between this factory or that factory, and the conditions are pretty much the same. I see. And so, now, so there is there is a pretty, uh, you know, there is some exploitation over here, but again, the problem is not the trade. And first of all, this is not free trade. This is a perfect example of sweetheart deals yeah. between big business and government. So this is not free trade at all. And, and of course, if it weren't trade. for governments, if it weren't for governments, then the big businesses would have to make it on their own without having the sweetheart deals, without having the back scratching. Exactly. And then in that case, your labor would be something you trade in. And you wouldn't trade your labor being exploited like a dog. You wouldn't give them, you wouldn't give them those labors. So no. that's one thing. When you are addressing this article, then just by saying... Uh, it's true in, in our countries, in Israel and the United States, it's true that you can just leave and that they're not being exploited. But when you talk, you're going to third world countries, there is a lot of element of exploitation going around. But it's so because of it's, the government's involvement. Exactly. Very so good. what I'm saying is I was reading this, this article and I was, was addressing those issues. I wouldn't say exactly what you said. I would have said, yes, there is some element of exploitation, but again, it's not free trade. It's it's um, corporatism, it's government. Well know? said, Matt, and thank you for the call. We really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231, the toll-free number, the Packet 8 toll-free line. So I don't understand. Is the Chinese government, uh, because, they own, because they're communist and they, therefore they own all the land, are they not allowing people to work the land and therefore forcing them into um, towns to work into, on? Well, we didn't go into the exact detail as to what they were doing to the villagers out there, but it sounded like they were um, making things difficult on them. I see. Uh, let's go to Paul in... Wait a minute. Yes, Paul in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. He dropped. He's gone. Let's try Skio in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Skio. Hey, how you guys doing? Great. What's on your mind? Well, this this uh, North American Union free trade agreement... Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I know all of it, but it really, there's actually two parts of this. One is the economic side, and then there's the military side. Uh, it, I, I see, for studying this for seven years, I see that uh, this is exactly what uh, Mussolini said. Mussolini said it best. He says fascism should not be called fascism. It should be called corporatism. When you start letting corporate uh, corporations start setting the policies and implementing the laws and then having the government carry it out, you set a very uh, a president for uh, uh, I, I it's a mess you'll create a it's, it'll be problematic and really the reason why it's come to this point is because government has become so large uh, that the corporations have a vested interest in getting involved. 
Because if they feel, they feel like if they don't get in control uh, of the government, then the government, somebody else, their competitor, for instance, might get in control of this uh, government, and then the government's gonna, then the government will be used against them. So it's you know, let's get in there first. Let's uh, take take control of the reins of the, the the state as soon as we possibly can and use it to benefit ourselves. And it's what all people try to do with government. As soon as they've been victimized once by government, they understand that government is a tool for victimizing others, and they then uh, resolve to get in control of it as much as they possibly can. Well, let's go, let's go back to 1933. And I think I've been on your show before talking about the United States being bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, with James Trafficking spilling the beans. Well, we were mentioning last night that the uh, in back in 1933 there was, I guess, the state of emergency was declared. It's never been undeclared. When did the bankruptcy happen uh, in relation to that? Uh, that happened. Uh, it, it happened right around. The, it happened at the same time when they declared bankruptcy. They also declared insolvency. Insolvency meaning, okay, we're never going to get out of bankrupt now, and we just got to keep borrowing or keep what, printing, which is what they've, uh, which is what they've been doing: borrowing and printing, and printing and borrowing. And as a result, the inflation has gone insane. And we stand on the precipice of a pretty dangerous monetary um, situation here in this country. And thanks for the call, Skio. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. If only somebody would come to the forefront with a suggestion to, a serious suggestion, to get back on a silver or gold standard. That's probably the only way out of this. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features that we've got there. They are totally free. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by going and voting for Free Talk Live at vote.freetalklive.com. Takes you less than a minute, and it makes a big difference for us because it helps keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world. And we do need your assistance because I think we're at number three. We could be at number one if you would go and vote and maybe ask a few friends to vote as well. It's easy, it's fast, and it makes a, it makes a difference. Vote.freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, let's talk to Dennis in New Hampshire on the Amplifier line. Hey, Dennis. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, I want to talk about a really happy subject tonight. Really? Yes. There has been a bill that has been put forward in the New Hampshire legislature that would completely legalize marijuana. No way. <laughs> uh, come on. You're pulling my chain. No. It's true. HB 92. It's a real bill. It's got a real number and everything. Real legalization, Dennis? Basically, what it does is everywhere in the Controlled Substances Act for the state that marijuana is mentioned, along with cocaine and heroin and all that other jazz, mm-hmm. it just strikes out the word marijuana. Whoa, well, that's pretty neat. It's it's neat and yeah, everything. What do you think? What do you think its chances are of passing? I think it's pretty low. Yeah, um, but that so. said, you know, but uh, it is Bill, a democratic. Uh, co- uh, it is a democratic house now here in New Hampshire. Bingo. Bingo. So that, that could increase the odds a little bit. So um, sure I know that lot of what, uh, Dennis, I know I'm the sure smoking bans up, um, uh, up, up for uh, you know they're they're deciding on that smoking ban in uh, restaurants and businesses again. So is it possible that um, here in New Hampshire that uh, marijuana would be legal and smoking would be outlawed in businesses? Yeah, that's entirely possible. <laughs> so, that would suck. Well, I mean, that would suck and be great. I don't know, but it's possible. 
So what's uh, what's the plan here? I mean, this is relatively new, uh, fresh news. When's this coming up for a vote? Uh, what's what are the details? As it turns out, and I just found out about this myself, they pretty much just started scheduling this stuff uh, this coming Wednesday. It's going to be in a House committee where it's going to be open for public debate. That's where they open it up and say anyone in New Hampshire who feels one way or the other about this bill, come and talk to the representatives and uh, make your voice heard. And you wouldn't even have to be a New Hampshire resident to do this. You could just come to Concord at 8.30 in the morning and show up at at this uh, committee and voice your opinion anyway. Well, because that's what they did with the smoking ban last year when they tried to ban smoking in New Hampshire a year ago. They uh, Apparently the smoking banners... The control freaks, they bust people in, right, Dennis, from, like, Boston or something like that? That's true, and actually that, that upsets some of us who are uh, residents. Sure. The fact that they don't check ID, they don't they don't check. You just walk in, you say you have an opinion, and they just kind of nod and say, oh, okay. Well, I'm actually kind of glad because I don't have New Hampshire ID, so that'll be good for me <laughs> if I show up. Well, I'm certainly hoping we can get a bunch of people, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be calling in from time to time to let you guys know. I know a number of groups in New Hampshire are... Uh, you know, pro-marijuana legalization groups mm-hmm. um, are definitely going to be fighting for this thing, so we'll see. Great. Well, I, if I can make it out, I certainly will. It's, it's a daytime occasion, right? Yeah. In fact, uh, it's going to happen at 10.30 in the morning is when the, the committee's going to meet. And one little little trivia about this bill, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of fun. To, one of the prime sponsors of the bill is Representative Weed. How appropriate. <laughs> Very good, fact, Dennis. he's from Keene. He's your stomping ground. You should call him up and tell him thank you. Indeed. Uh, we'll definitely do that. And to keep us up to date on what happens, and we appreciate the call as always. Thanks, Dennis. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. That's pretty exciting. It, uh, who would have guessed? I mean, uh, to, to actually have a real legalization bill, I expected it was going to be maybe a medical pot thing, but... That's the real deal, man. You know what I was thinking? This whole free state project thing, dead. Nothing's happening. Oh, yeah, nothing's going on here. Uh, you know, the, the people that think that, ah, free state project, what idiots. Well, now, this doesn't have anything to do with the free state project. Oh, it doesn't? No, this is just some, I, I think this guy, this representative weed, appropriately enough, puts in a legalization bill pretty much on a yearly basis. As I understand it, maybe it's never been like this before. Maybe it's never been as... Uh, as heavy duty of a uh, of a change, I don't know. I'm not sure what the history of all this has been, but the history has certainly been that he hasn't gotten anywhere when he's done it, and maybe there'll be a chance this year. Yeah, maybe well, if we can um, activate enough people. I'm going to be there. Really? Yeah, I'm going to go. Oh, cool. Then we can go together. Heck yeah, I'll go and talk um, talk in front of those people. I think that uh, it's ludicrous that um, marijuana is illegal. That's fantastic. Well, great. All right, so 800 But we have to go for the smoking ban one, too. Sure we do. 800-259-9231. Uh, let's go to, I believe it is Tony in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey, Tony, what's on your mind, sir? Oh, I was just listening to you guys, and you were talking about uh, trying to make an honest effort to get back to a silver-based currency or gold-based currency. Yes. And I just want to know if you guys were familiar with the Liberty Dollar. I'm a Liberty Associate. In fact, uh, people can learn more about it at dollar.freetalklive.com. Okay. That's uh, really all I wanted to input. Uh, Very good, sir. We appreciate it. Uh, Are you still there? Yeah. Uh, What are some of your experiences with the Liberty Dollar? How have you done as far as getting out there and using it in public? Well, I haven't got a whole lot. It's not really recognized in the area I'm from. It is... uh, available but it's most people kind of think it's a sham really it's sad to say so you've actually gone out tried to use it and and people have sort of balked at it yeah huh 
I got to say, when I was down in Florida, I didn't get that response. I've yet to actually go out and uh, and really use it to an extent here in New Hampshire. But it seemed that when I tried to use it, most people were pretty awed by it. They were pretty impressed with it, and a lot of people bought it on their own just to take it home and show off to people because it's yeah. it is a very pretty thing. Have you tried to use the actual silver rounds or the uh, certificates? No, I've mostly just displayed the certificates. Oh, that's why. The certificates, people question those things. They don't understand them. They don't want to take the time to to understand. But if you get your hands on some of the Silver Liberties, you'll have much better luck. Give that a try and let us know how it works. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Man, lots of calls this hour. Let's talk to Ryan in Texas on the amplifier. Well, okay then. I guess Ryan's not there. 1-800-259-9231 allows you to take control of the airwaves. Uh, We've got a lot still to talk about here tonight, including a story about a generation gap. The new generation of young people in America and their belief system or lack of belief systems. And we're going to get into that probably coming up in hour number two. On the way uh, right now, a story from New Hampshire. Since we're talking about New Hampshire and things Free State Project related, Ed and Elaine Brown aren't necessarily Free State Project members, but I think that there's certainly a case that Free Staters may want to pay attention to. And in fact, anti-tax activists, tax freedom activists from around the country should definitely be paying attention to this case because they're on trial right now up in uh, Concord, New Hampshire, possibly facing some jail time because they're on in federal court over tax evasion charges. The couples representing themselves said they don't dispute the prosecutor's contention that they've opted out of the tax system, but say they believe they've not broken the law by doing so. Elaine, who happens to be a dentist, by the way, says, My husband and I challenged the application of the tax law to us. We can't find any statute that requires us to pay. The article goes on to describe how the government is prosecuting them, and there's they owe $625,000 to the government. And they point out, though, that... The Browns had written the, uh, the IRS specifically asking to, for the IRS to point out to them the laws that require them to pay income taxes. Well, apparently the IRS doesn't have to tell you um, to point out this stuff. They don't have to show their legal uh, obligation, you know, your legal obligation. They'll just take you to court. They claim that uh, after concluding more than a decade ago that they were exempt from the federal tax system, as they believe most people are, they just don't know it. Uh, They decided to test the government. Rather than paying the federal income taxes, they began sending letters to the IRS demanding an explanation of the relevant law. I mean, after all, they're supposed to be the Internal Revenue Service, right? They're supposed to be focusing on serving you. They said that in 12 years of writing, they have never gotten a response from the IRS. At least one of the letters described in testimony, the Browns acknowledged that they might be inviting civil, uh, criminal prosecution, but in their comments yesterday, they made it clear that they don't believe that they have broken the law. And I'm looking at the picture of these uh, these two folks. They're just a nice old couple. Yep, they are. Just a just a friendly looking uh, old, just a what in their 60s maybe, early 60s. She's a dentist. She's a dentist. I think he's retired. And apparently they filed a joint return with a zero on the line that should have shown income. And I've heard that that's a bad idea. And all of these things, when we talk about income taxes, are total speculation mm-hmm. because the IRS won't talk about it. Right. But I've heard that it's it's bad to file. If, if you want to avoid taxes, you probably shouldn't file with a zero on any sort of line. You should probably just not file at all. 
Like, just avoid contacting the IRS, avoid getting in touch with them, and avoid bringing their attention to you. Because if you file with the zero option, which I think is what Erwin Schiff is in jail for, you could get into some trouble. Anyway, these people are probably going to be spending some time in jail because there are trials going on right now. And apparently the support that, uh, as far as their courtroom support is concerned, is fairly limited. So they'd like more people to show up and uh, turn out in support of these people. 800-259-9231. We'll keep you up to date on the case as more develops. Hour 2's on the way. It's your show. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. The show is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the packet eight toll free line for you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you to access their websites. We do it for free. Freetalklive.com. We're going to talk about the generation gap here in moments, but we've got to go to the phones first and talk to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Gene. Hi, guys. Looks like I had a little better luck than Mark did on the speeding ticket. What happened? Oh, I uh, posted it on uh, on your bulletin board under the show, but uh, I went in and uh, basically I beat the ticket. Um, the uh, That's the short story. The long story is I had to go in and... Uh, Go through the big long line. Took me half an hour just to get into the courthouse because of the security measures. You know, mm-hmm. getting through the uh, the metal detector, and then I managed to find what courtroom I was supposed to go into. And the courtrooms are too small to hold all the people, so they gotta keep everybody in a long line, and then they just take them a few at a time. You know, that's pretty much what happened with Mark. He was like the only guy that was allowed in at any given uh, at, a, at a at a at a certain point. One person well, at a time, right? Yeah. Well, we had probably. 10 people in the courtroom at a time, and uh, they'd call the next person in line. You'd go up and talk to the clerk, and all she wants to know is guilty or not guilty. Mm-hmm. I said not guilty. She said, go sit down over there. I had to go sit on the uh, the group W bench, as uh, uh, as they said in Alice's restaurant. So I had to go sit over on this little area all by myself because I pled not guilty. You were the only one who pled not guilty? Apparently, well, at least with that group, because I was the only one on that group. Hmm. And then, uh, so a little while later, the the guy seated at a desk pulls me up, calls me up there, and he turns out he's the city attorney, and he wants to know why I'm pleading not guilty. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, because I'm entitled to uh, to a trial, and it's my right. I'm uh, I'm exercising my right to ask for a trial. He says, well, were you speeding or not? <laughs> and I said, well, would that be an admission of guilt if I answered that question? And he says, well. I just want to know, you know, I'm trying to find out if you were going too fast. And mm-hmm. I said, well, um, I said, well, I want a trial. I said, that's my, that's my right. I'm not going to uh, provide evidence for you. Right. And he said, well, uh, just tell me how fast you were going. I said, well, I really wow. didn't, wasn't looking at my, my speedometer, so I really couldn't say, but I know I wasn't speeding. And he said, uh, um, or I said, I know I wasn't breaking any laws. I didn't say I wasn't speeding. Hmm. I said, I know I wasn't breaking any laws because that's, you know, uh, there's a difference there. Right. And, uh, and so he says, well, um, uh, you, he said I, that I was claiming that I couldn't, that I wasn't speeding, but I didn't know how fast I was going. I said, well, I just want a trial. 
he said, uh, <laughs> he said, okay, you want a trial? I'll get you a trial. He was kind of perturbed at that point. Sure. And so he told me to go sit back on the Group W bench again. And uh, then he went up to the front where the clerks were and clicked on the keyboard and uh, set up a trial date. And then he came back and sat down. He called me back up front again. But while I was sitting there, I figured, well, you know, I played the hard-nosed card uh, the first time I talked to him. So I'm going to go up there a little bit more sheepish this time, you know, and, and play a softer tone okay. and see what happens, you know, because uh, in the past I've been able to get the uh, city attorney to just reduce it to a non-moving violation. So the, the previous time they reduced it to a inoperable horn. Huh. So <laughs> anyway, I was I was hoping for something like that. So I went back up with a little bit more sheepish tone, and I said, uh, well, what would a ticket like that, what would the fine be on a ticket like that anyway? And he goes, well, I was going to just dismiss the charge, but since you asked for a trial, I went ahead and set you for a trial on a, you know, blah, blah date. And oh. I said, well, I said, well, gee, that dismissal sure sounds a lot better than having to go back here through a trial. And he says, well, you, if you'd like, I'll dismiss the charge and you don't have to come back for trial. I said, okay, Gosh. sure, let's, let's do it that way. I said, that's a lot better than having to fight through that line. And he said, yeah, and the police officer didn't show up today anyway. So, <laughs> so he dismissed the charge. But they were tricking. They were trying to get me to admit to a guilt so that I could pay a fine, even though they knew the officer wasn't there ahead of time. So do you so, think he was going to dismiss the charge because you were so, I guess, vehement about not admit, uh, admitting any guilt? Well, he says he was going to dismiss it anyway. I really doubt that. Mm -hmm. I, I can't believe that uh, he was just going to dismiss it out of hand. I don't think especially, so especially if he was trying to get me to say I was uh, uh, breaking a law, then he's going to say, well, you know, I could reduce the fine for you to half if you want to plead guilty you know, sure. or something like that. Right. Yeah, I don't if you, admit, if you would... admit to breaking the law, they're going to get you for something. Right. right, and so I don't think he would have done that. He just dismissed it out of hand. How does it feel but, to be uh, the, the Christian anarchist and to jump through the hoops that the state is putting up for you, Gene? That must be really frustrating. Well, I look on it as it doesn't matter. It's all gang mentality. If you're talking about the Crips and the Bloods or if you're talking about the city of Memphis, it's mm -hmm. all a gang mentality. They're in their little group. they got their little cliques and their little... Uh, association and as long as you acknowledge their association that's all they want you know even if it's like the crips and the blood standing on the street corner it could be just a smile or a wave or whatever you know then that makes them feel important oh yeah you know he's acknowledging we're yeah. we're the tough guys on the block so and that's all it takes is you got to just nod and you know give them a little uh, acknowledgement that they're there so you but, basically you operate under the radar essentially you don't uh, necessarily throw it back in their faces you go in, you act like you're a law-abiding citizen, and you well, try to I, I uh, minimize to. the damage. I, I've used both approaches. Like I said, I've fought the IRS for 30 years, talking about your friends there that are fighting the IRS, and I, I really feel uh, feel for them mm -hmm. because uh, I, I consider Irwin Schiff a friend, and he's now locked up in jail. Yeah, 80-something-year-old 80, 80 man sitting in yeah. a prison cell. And, and he's a sweet old guy, too, and, and they're going to lock him up probably till the day he dies now. But... Um, I have fought the IRS, and I've used hard-nosed approach, um, and they've taken a lot of money from me. They haven't thrown me in jail, but that is a possibility. Gene, I want to jump back to when you actually received the speeding ticket that uh, was in question here. When, yeah. uh, when you received the speeding ticket, how, how did you, as a, the Christian anarchist, handle the police? Well, I didn't do anything, actually, when he came up to the window other than produce my papers. I always keep my mouth shut. I don't offer information that... Uh, 
that uh, I really don't offer any information. Mm-hmm. I only answer questions that are put to me. And then uh, when I did that up until the point where he said he was going to write me the ticket, as soon as he said I was gonna, he was going to write me the ticket, then I asked him, uh, well, I'd like to go back and look at the radar gun because I make it a policy to fight all speeding tickets, and I always get a look at the radar gun, the reading on it, and the serial number off of it. Huh. He said, no. He said, no, I'm not going to let you look at the I radar I remember gun. you actually told us that story. Has anyone ever allowed you to look at it? Yes. In the past two tickets, I always got to go back in the police car, check out the radar gun. Huh. One cop even allowed me to look at their little tuning fork that they used to tune it and all that, you know, because uh, that's part of your defense if you're going to fight the radar, fight the ticket if it's a radar ticket. And, radar um, ticket, they tune, they um, apparently they tune their radar uh, every day um, before they, you know, start giving people tickets. Right, they're supposed to, and uh, they're supposed to have a certain amount of training. And there's a book out called Beating the Radar Rap, and that's where I got all this information from. It's a book called Beating the Radar Rap. Gene, thanks for the clue, available. man. We- we appreciate hearing from you, as always, and congratulations on getting off the ticket. 800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. Let's go to Dan in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Dan. Hey, hi. how's it going, folks? Great. What's Good. on your mind? Okay. Um, when it comes to um, secondhand smoke in the workplace of restaurants and bars and such, mm-hmm. um, why don't they treat it like... Uh, they would a factory where there's welding smoke and uh, or welding fumes and um, paint spray fumes and well, you know, how do they where, it? where it comes to uh, uh, threshold limit values. Why don't they just put a threshold limit value on it and just say, okay, well, this is a safe place to work or it's not a safe place to to work. Well, and, the, the, the anti-smoking advocates would tell you that being around secondhand smoke is unsafe period right they believe that any amount of exposure could uh, possibly give you lung cancer or something well well so is welding and so is um paint work sure but so it's not as popular i see where you i see what you're saying there's all kinds of dangerous uh jobs out there but it's not as popular of an idea to ban welding or to ban those things it's there's a lot of popular support behind the idea of banning smoking and politicians only really jump uh, jump out in front of big parades and in this case, this is one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's sick. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it, Dan. 800-259-9231. The generation gap on the way. We'll talk about it. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is your show, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up anything toll free. 800-259-9231 if you want. That's 1-800-259-9231, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are fun and free. The archives are there, an entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. You just go and get them. There's no logging in. There's no membership fee. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to look at advertisements. You just click and download freetalklive.com, the way archives should be. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. And also, you need to know about the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. It's going on in uh, towards the end of February. It is the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. A three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, to be held in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. So, uh, we're going to talk about the Generation Gap. Mark, and this is a story that you brought in. What's it all about, sir? 
Well, it's a blog post, and I I just really like it. Um, it apparently, you know, they're they're compiling compiling some stuff from the Pew Research Center, and I looked over their PDF, and it looks accurate. But um, you know, they they've got it concise here, and I like it better as this blog post. Actually, we're gonna have to have you switch mics uh, because we're having some problems with the one that uh, that you're currently on. Try so this. I'm sorry, I, I may have. No, had no, we're having some problems. So do this. bear with us here as we switch microphones so you can actually read something and people can hear you. You, you couldn't hear me at all. Uh, it was problematic. Okay, but now it's much better. The Pew Research Center has just done their latest survey of attitudes among the young. They're, they are markedly less religious than their elders and previous generations. The percentage, um, the percentage claiming that they are agnostic or atheist has doubled in the last 20 years. What sort of uh, generation gap? I mean, what's the age range we're talking about here? The um, young. Th- these were people below the ages of 34. 34 okay. and, and, and down. Um, it's, it's doubled. In, it's doubled for, uh, agnostics, are now, um, agnostics and atheists are now one in five. They regard heavy drinking wow. as... Yeah. You know, agnostics are probably the largest portion of that number. Mm, maybe. Sure, man. Okay, whatever. They regard heavy drinking as... Uh, I don't really regard agnostics as that much different from atheists, personally. Okay. They're just atheists who haven't gone all the way. That's all. Gotcha. They regard heavy drinking as worse than smoking pot. Um, so, I mean, that's, I would agree, I would also agree with that. I'm, Absolutely. I'm slightly lar- older than this group, but, um, heavy drinking, as far as I'm concerned, is worse than smoking pot. They have become much less Republican than they once were, and I am much less Republican than I once was. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, this is a little insert from the blog post, uh, here. George W. Bush has persuaded most of the younger generation to vote Democratic, reversing Reagan's gains among the young. Um, I, you know, I think that the uh, the idea that Re- Reagan's ideas of smaller government were great and uh, they shouldn't be, you know, tossed to the wind because Bush hasn't acted like that. And then again, Reagan didn't either. They were much more pro-immigrant than their elders are. Wow. Sever- Things are looking up for the United States. Mm-hmm. 74%. Well, the, the thing that I think is so interesting about this is this totally reflects our listeners. Mm. Our listeners are young. Um, they're less religious than uh, their parents are. They regard heavy drinking as worse than smoking pot. They're, uh, you know, they're becoming less Republican. Um, Not necessarily meaning they're becoming more demo- um, democratic. No. They're just less Republican. Less Republican, right. They're much more pro-immigrant than their elders are, and 74% favor some privatizing of Social Security. Great. Yep. But they're dovish on the use of mili- uh, military force. Go- even better. Right. They're equally um, divided on gay marriage. Mm. Uh, 47 percent, 46 percent in favor. Um, but that's, you know, I mean, that's still amazing. Okay. And overwhelmingly support gay adoption. That's really well, that's weird. And so they support gay adoption, but they don't support gay marriage. Well, you know, people are weird about their uh, their belief systems. They aren't principled. Uh, they aren't principled. And so what can you do? You know, yep. I think it's interesting, though. And um, those under 25 are even more towards these numbers than uh, really, yeah, than those under 35. So wait, it's most. This was all about th- under 35s, just in general, and then they Correct. they broke it down even further. Yes. Huh. Okay. So I, I I'm just I my my uh, my hopes for the new new generation are high. Absolutely. Now wait a minute. I, what I'm curious about is, did they do these studies on under 35s a decade ago? And did they compare the the numbers of? Yes, but they didn't have those numbers. They did not show the numbers and on every in every instance um, that were you know a decade and uh, 
and so, the 80s. So let me see if I understand this correctly. Not only are the people who are under the age of 35 today, not only do these statements apply to them uh, as far as being compared to people over the age of 35, mm-hmm. but do they also compare as far as they're more atheistic, they're more agnostic, they're, uh, all these statements, do they also apply to a decade ago or two decades ago, the people that were under 35 at that time, are they more agnostic than those people? Or do they find God as yes. they get older? That much is no, no, no. That much is true. That they uh, even a decade ago, um, those numbers were smaller and okay. they've grown. So um, hmm. interesting. You know, the the young are more likely to be all those things that we mentioned. But, now more so than ever. But now more so than ever. Huh. Things are really looking up for the United States. Yeah. I, I I'm excited about this, Mark. Well, if they're for uh, privatizing at least somewhat um, Social Security, then they're probably for privatizing somewhat uh, medical care. So. Hopefully, we won't well, see universal health care. They probably don't really even understand it. Like, the, all they've probably heard is that Social Security is going to go bankrupt mm-hmm. and that something has to be done. That's probably all they know. I mean, really, think about it, Mark. How many people even know what the name of the vice president is? I mean, it, these, weren't, these weren't likely voters, were they? These were just no. anybody under 35. Correct. So you've got to remember, I mean, if people don't even know who their representatives are or the vice president is in America, then it's very unlikely that they're going to be able to uh, know what the issues are as far as understanding uh, what they mean when they say privatize social security. In general, but some of them do. It's true. Yeah. Any more statistics? No, that's really it. What was that, Pew Research? Yes. Very good stuff. So um, if you've got any comments on the changing face of the generation gap, the gap uh, itself, 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. I am... uh, you know what? That's like some of the most positive news I've heard, Mark. And, of course, a lot of people are going to listen to that, and they're going to say, this is terrible. The American uh, young people aren't believing in God anymore. We're going to hell. Personally, I think it's, uh, it's a success because it shows that they're more rationally thinking about, uh, about things in their life. They aren't accepting what they're told by their authorities in their lives, their parents and their, uh, their pastors, and they're, they're questioning I think it, it, you have to have a questioning mindset uh, to come up against God in this particular in this particular fashion, or at least um, questioning mindset to to come up against uh, institutionalized organized religion. religion. Yeah, because yeah, that's the real problem. Like, if you want to believe in God, that's fine. You believe in God. I absolutely do. But it's not the Christian God per se. It's more of a Creator God, right? Correct. He's a nice guy. Right. Well, actually, I mean, it, it's hard to be uh, worse than the the Christian God. He's a pretty mean dude. Well, he is in the Old Testament, he's but drowning he's people. supposedly much nicer in the New Testament. So they say. Yeah. Why did he change so much? Um, Jesus came and uh, shed blood for all the sins. Uh, God has to have blood. You know, he's a he's bloodthirsty God. Yeah. And he um, <laughs> has to have blood. And, and, Je- and Jesus, uh, actually, he, Jesus, he is mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, he, he, came, he came and satiated his own bloodlust. I actually found God online the other day. Really? Yeah, it says, his name's the Spirit of Truth, and you can find him on YouTube. He's amazing. <laughs> I'm serious. Go to YouTube.com and type in Spirit of Truth, and you will find God. 800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Your calls about anything goes. This is your show. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line for you. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. And that includes the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Over 900 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki. .freetalklive.com to get access. That's wiki.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones, to the fun. Let's talk to Niall in Utah on the Amplifier line. Hey, Niall. Hey, guys. Hey, you're on the Amplifier hey, line. Uh, what's up? Oh, it's great It's great to be back on the air. It's been a little bit, a little while. I've been sick, all that kind of fun stuff. I'm glad you're better. Um, what's going on? Uh, you know, I keep hearing the news, you know, all kinds of good things that are coming out of government. Really? For good example. things from government? What could that be? Well, well, several things. I mean, I was definitely not sad to see Saddam Hussein die. And I know a few people who have finally gotten some you know, help from the government, from Social Security, who are actually disabled. And so I got to thinking about government. And, you know, good things are sort of like raisins. I think everybody wants to eat raisins, right? I like raisins. Well, yeah, raisins are good. I mean, they're good for you. They've got lots of iron. They're real sweet. Okay. But in my house, you know, we've got little little rats running around all the time. In my house, we have a rule. You don't eat the raisins by the rat, Katie. And it seems to me that government policy is to look for raisins by the rat, Katie. I don't understand. Eat enough... Rat turds. Well, you don't, you don't want to eat anything that looks like a raisin by the rat, Katie. Oh, right, right. Okay. The nut cake. But if you do choose to do that, chances are, after, I don't know, one or two hundred non-raisin things that you consume, you will encounter a raisin. And you know what? It will be the sweetest raisin you've ever tasted in your life. Mm, interesting and observation. It will be one that you will want again and again and again. That's the policy of government. You know what? You're going to find raisins. But if you want raisins, go to the cupboard. Don't go by the rat cage. Well, Even it's... Spank. Yeah, I'm glad you thought of that, because it uh, sounds like you put a little bit of time into thinking that one up, and it's very creative, and well done, Niall, and I think that, yes, it's true. If you take a government program, like welfare or Social Security, and you throw enough money at it, eventually somebody's going to get something out of it. They're going to get their raise, and they're going to get their check, they're going to get the assistance that they're looking for. When they do, it'll be a great thing, because you were expecting something else, weren't you? Oh, and also the government loves to point out the people that it that it assists. So the government will uh, will make a big example of the individuals who got the raisins. They'll say, "Look, all these people getting raisins. It's wonderful, isn't it?" And they never well, never point out those who are eating the rat turds. Well, <laughs> why would you? <laughs> right. You're the one handing it out. You're the one saying this is the place to find raisins. Well, but now you mentioned the you mentioned people. the Saddam Hussein thing. Now I don't know if that even qualifies as a raisin because it just cost so much money. Yeah, who could argue that getting rid of Saddam Hussein was a bad thing? Certainly, he was a bad man. But I think that uh, the evil of what we've done to the uh, the Iraqi people far far outweighs any any good that could come from getting rid of him. Well, how many how many non raisins are you willing to eat to get to find that one raisin? Yeah, exactly. Me zero. Yeah. Precisely. Un- unacceptable. You need to change the Very good, Niall. Excellent uh, analogy. Anything else on your mind? Uh, no, I think that'll do it for me tonight. Thanks as always. 800-259-9231. Cute. Very creative. I, it, it is. Um, I'm tr- trying to work the analogy out completely for myself, but, you know. I don't know if it holds 
a lot of water, but it was interesting and fun nonetheless. Mm. Yes. Uh, all right. So let's go to Matt in Illinois, also on an amplifier line. Hey, Matt, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Good evening, guys. Good evening, hey. sir. What's on your mind? Uh, I have a story about um, my public high school. Okay. Uh, my son went to a few years back. He's out in Arizona now going to a public college, but uh, he was in high school. And he was taking a government course. Mm. And this government, this course on government was teaching him the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. Okay. So I told him, why don't you ask your teacher about the libertarians? Because I've been a libertarian for a long time. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And he goes up and he asks his teacher about the libertarians. Now, wait, now, before you go on with the story, before you go on, did he already know, I mean, presuming since you were a libertarian, he must have already known about the libertarians, right? Yes. Okay. He already had a, a, an excellent idea about what they were, because okay. I would, I voted for Harry Brown in the 2000 elections. That's another story. Anyway. Um, Me too. <laughs> anyway, he, he went to his teacher, and he asked him about the libertarians. And the teacher says, you know, I'm glad you asked me about that. He says, I can't teach you about them. What? And my son was like, why? He goes, I'm not allowed to. Whoa. He's not allowed to. He wasn't allowed to. And my son goes, why not? And he says, because of where the money for this program comes from. Oh, my. And he wouldn't say anything more to my son about it. Was that, wow. done, was that done in front of the, the rest of the class? You know, I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm really not sure. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think to ask my son that, but he says uh, the teacher himself said I'm a libertarian. So the teacher himself was a libertarian. Oh my huh. goodness! Then that must be really so, difficult. Can you imagine right. that being uh, working for this government uh, school and you're not even allowed to talk about the the political party that you belong to? Right. Exactly. And I, you know that was my thought exactly. I was like, wow. And I was surprised to hear uh, that somebody else was a libertarian, uh, just as surprised as I was when I found this radio program, because, mm. you know, I was so happy to hear uh, other people out there, my mindset. Let alone a government school teacher. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, my brother's a, a school teacher. He's a libertarian, too. So that's one example, then, of how it is that the Republicans and the Democrats collude with each other to keep the libertarians out. Not only keep them out of debates... Not only keep them out of uh, elections as much as possible, but to even keep them out of the classroom. Yes. That's, that's really sick. That's very true. Man. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I yeah. thought you'd be interested in that story. Indeed. Thank you, for the, thank you for it, Matt. We appreciate hearing from you as always. 800-259-9231. You know, if Unbelievable. They, if they're not allowed to talk about the libertarians, they shouldn't be able to, uh, allowed to talk about the uh, Democrats and the Republicans. They shouldn't be allowed to talk about any political parties if they can't talk about all of them. Well, the Republicans and the Democrats funded the program, Mark, so there you go. Follow the money. 800-259-9231. Speaking of politicians, the scum of the earth, lowlifes, New Orleans, Los Angeles Times reporting, actually the China Post as well, responding to residents' outrage over a spike in crime that claimed nine lives in the first eight days of 2007, New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin announced a slate of initiatives on Tuesday. He talked tough. He said, We're drawing a line in the sand and saying, We've had it, said Nagin to reporters at a briefing held at the site where a man was shot in the head on January 1st. 
the year's first murder. The measures, which Nagin said would be implemented immediately, include increasing police foot patrols and installing surveillance cameras in crime hotspots. He pledged to expedite the prosecution of murder cases and said police would conduct random checks of people on the streets for drugs and alcohol between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. when officials say 30% of the city's violent crimes occur. Because drugs and alcohol have something to do with violent crimes, I suppose. You get drunk, have a little bit of violence happen. Yeah, I, I, I would think that that's quite possible. Now, he says random checks of people on the streets, but the story I heard on the news, and it's not mentioned in this particular story, was roadblocks. The news report, the radio news report that I heard on this exact story, was that he was calling for daily roadblocks Well, if you stop those people hours. randomly on the street, you would have to put up a roadblock in order to stop them, right? Right. I presume that's that's what they mean when they're when they're saying that. Negan was joined at the announcement by the police chief, city council members, community leaders, and representatives of the criminal justice system. He said all of them had spent the past several days meeting to devise a cohesive strategy to tackle crime. He says, We are here to say collectively that one murder is too many. We'll put all our resources to focus on murders and violent crime. Everything we have. Now, knowing that the city of New Orleans is going to be installing cameras and having nightly, perhaps, roadblocks, does that make you want to go to New Orleans as a law-abiding citizen? Does that make you want to go and party in New Orleans, for instance? Spend some time there? Spend your vacation there? I don't want a vacation at a police, police state. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything. Toll free, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231, the packet8.net toll free line for you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn about the amplifier program. It's a very simple concept. Uh, you send us three bucks a month on a voluntary basis, and we take that money in and turn it around into promoting the show to getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country. I think about a year ago we were at, what, around 10? Now we're up to 20. All thanks, a lot of it, thanks to our amplifiers. We're also getting more Internet listeners on board with the show as well, and more new people listening to Free Talk Live means new people coming across the message of freedom and liberty and thereby telling their friends about freedom and hopefully maybe making us all a little more free in the long run. So if that's valuable to you, it has been valuable to over 300 of our listeners. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about it. You'll get perks. There are uh, things like the amplifier-only call-in lines, uh, classic archives as well. All the details for you at amp.freetalklive.com. Now, we were talking about New Orleans, and Mayor Negan has a plan to crack down on the crime problem, because there have been apparently quite a few murders in uh, New Orleans over the past year or so. I've heard it was one a day, and that's uh, just a huge number. That's what I've heard. I don't know how accurate it is, but it's certainly been a lot. And so there's been a lot of protests, a lot of people getting pretty angry about the uh, the situation. In fact, uh, this article from the China Post pointing out that uh, some go- uh, a reverend apparently actually went on a hunger strike to protest all the all the violence in his particular part of New Orleans, and so now Nagin has come out with essentially some sort of an initiative that is going to encompass all sorts of different enforcement efforts in that they are going to be putting surveillance cameras in crime hotspots. He's also going to be running 
checkpoints between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. on a daily basis. And this is not good. Now, you know, um, the American people have spent so much money uh, to, quote-unquote, save New Orleans um, to... In order to, um, you know, make sure that the levees are shored up and all that other stuff. And just look how this artificial um, situation that we've created is it's, it's turning out. I mean, the, the city's in complete chaos. Uh, people are it, it's got to be it's got to be as dangerous there as it is in Iraq for Americans. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to me what we should have done is just. Let nature take its course, you know, and then um, a city would have come back if a city was meant to be in that area. I don't see we should and, have thrown any money at this. And allow people to defend themselves. Allow Absolutely. people to, if murder is a problem, allow people to carry guns. And I don't know what the laws are in the state of uh, Louisiana or the city of New Orleans. I'm not sure exactly what their gun laws are, but we know that when tragedy struck, that they certainly didn't have any respect for whatever the gun laws were. They went around and confiscated them from people. In fact, many of those people had their guns confiscated for months on end before they could get them back. So for all we know, there's a bunch of people in New Orleans that just don't even have their guns back yet. Oh, I'm sure that they don't. Once the government takes something, it, it seems very unlikely that you get it back. So this just it's bad news. It's going to be bad news for tourism. It's going to be bad news. And I mean, New Orleans used to be known as the party town, right? Mm -hmm. People would go there, the Mardi Gras, and all kinds of different parties throughout the year in New Orleans. And it attracted a lot of business. But if you're going to have the police shaking people down, then that's going to turn away a lot of that activity. Sure it is. People are going to say, well, wait, I'll just party here where I am. There's no police checkpoints from 2 to 6 a.m. every night. And he's talking about this on a regular basis. Now, maybe it's all just talk. Maybe nothing will come of it. But nonetheless, word's going to get out that New Orleans is turning into a police state. And that's not going to be good for their economy. It's not going to be good for people who originally might have wanted to move back to maybe the place where they grew up or a place where they really enjoyed. I've been to New Orleans. I thought it was it was an okay experience. That there were some parts of it that were very nice and some parts that weren't so nice. But nonetheless, I wasn't harassed by the police when I was there, and I was walking around at night. I didn't, you know, I don't want to feel threatened by the cops. And when I see checkpoints. I get upset, and I feel threatened. I feel like my freedom is at stake. I feel like I am a lot less free than I would have been had I been on another street where there wasn't a roadblock. And I know they're looking for drunk people. They're allegedly looking for dangerous people. But innocent people will inevitably get caught up in these things. And it's true. I mean, if they're going to catch the guilty people, then they're bound to catch some innocent ones. And then you've got stories like this from Elgin, Illinois. Illinois police confiscated a car belonging to a sober man at a checkpoint recently. Now, why on earth would they do that? Was there a warrant out for his arrest? Sober, but also wanted for murder, perhaps? I could understand them confiscating a car in that case. Because obviously, you know, you're going to take him to jail. You might as well take his car, too. But no, this man was simply protesting against officers for wasting his time at a holiday drunk driving roadblock. You see... They don't care about your time. Mm -hmm. oh, well, your, your time is there. Yeah. It, you are it's there. theirs, you mean? Yeah, theirs. Yeah, yeah it's, it's their time. They are your superiors. You will bend to their will. And uh, if you don't, they are going to arrest you and take your vehicle. 
Innocent motorists, actually, I don't think they arrested this guy. Innocent motorists on that day and throughout the weekend were pulled over and subjected to search and interrogations at the Pace bus station on Highland Avenue. Police issued expensive tickets to anyone whose papers were not in order. <laughs> at the bus station. That's great. Because you know they're not doing that at the, uh, the limousine uh, pickup place. <laughs> One motorist became so angry at being detained because he chose not to wear a seatbelt that he honked his horn and blasted his stereo in protest. For that, police confiscated his car. I would like to say, that's dumb. Issued a $250 ticket and forced him to walk home. The Elgin police said, uh, cited the city's noise ordinance, which applies to those who are operating a vehicle. The motorist was parked and is uh, and is designed to protect citizens against quote excessive noise endangering physical and emotional health and well-being. The affected motorist can only challenge the seizure by first arguing that his case arguing his case before the deputy police chief in a hearing where the former rules of evidence will not apply. The next hearing happens up to 45 days later under civil procedures that are used so Elgin can escape the due process protections of the Constitution such as. Amendment uh, eight's prohibition on excessive fines. So they've got a whole little situation set up there, basically, that uh, effectively avoids all the you know constitutional requirements and all of that. And they're just screwing people over left and right. And you try to do something about it, like honk your horn because you're angry, and you're going to go have your car taken, two hundred fifty dollar ticket, walk I th- home. I think that uh, it's issues like the noise ordinance that are the toughest things facing libertarians. Um, as far you know, as we haven't addressed the noise ordinance in a conceptual long, ideas. long time mm-hmm. on this show. And uh, noise ordinance and uh, foul odors. Well, the last time we talked about the noise ordinance, I don't think I had gone... Uh, I was nearly as far along my road towards uh, the free marketeerism as I, as I am today. I mean, I don't even remember the last time. It must have been three or four years ago last well, time we discussed me, noise ordinance. Then, then let's pop into it, and we can, uh, we can discuss it uh, coming up next hour. But if you'll recall, there was a particular story in Florida where some uh, teenagers, um, well, some pe- people were putting uh, train horns in their oh, pickup yeah. trucks. Yeah, that was about a year ago, I guess. Oh, man. Are you kidding? That was uh, We were talking about that when we were on 1280. It's like huh. three years ago. Wow. Um, anyway, so... Kids, I would assume, young males, are putting uh, train horns in um, mm-hmm. their trucks. I've actually experienced this, and when one of these guys pulls up behind <laughs> you and honks his horn, I nearly went through my convertible roof. Wow. And they thought, of course, that, that that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, so they honked their horn and drove past. I, I mean, a train horn. Yeah. I mean, and this just goes to show that there's yeah, there's some problems with, uh, you know, just uh, singular liberties. Um, if you don't give liberty everywhere... Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, noise ordinances in general are the, the the biggest thing facing libertarians. Well, before we go, not I, biggest, but I mean they're, they're one of the most difficult issues to solve. The noise ordinance in general is a bigger issue overall than just train horns. Uh, train horns are more of a road issue, uh, just car between car. And of course, if we had private roads, then private road owners could simply set a rule that those particular horns would not be allowed on their on their roads. And if somebody was discovered to to actually have one of those horns installed on their vehicle, then they could be ostracized. They their reputation rating could take a hit. They may not be well, allowed, be allowed on that on road, road in the future. Uh, I mean that that might be the last resort, but there would be some some punishments built into that system. And I think we can extrapolate that concept, the idea of private roads out to private neighborhoods and and private again private streets private areas in general where noise ordinances would be codified into the contracts 
that each individual would have in regards to the the homes that they buy and the property that they that they purchase. And so it could become more of a contractual issue. I, I can see that um, coming from your free marketeer standpoint, but uh, it seems to me um, that as long as the government owns the roads, and I, I don't see that going away anytime soon, that we need laws to stop people from having too but loud the laws horns. don't stop them. The, the, the laws don't stop them. They only they happen don't. to they only catch them after the fact. 800-259-9231. Noise ordinances. We might get into that on the way. Hour 3 is coming up. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves and bring up anything is 800-259-9231 as we pick a kickoff. Hour number three. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That number again, 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for their sites. We do it for free. freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, start things out. Let's uh, talk to Suzanne in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Suzanne, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yeah, um, you know, we have, I was listening to your Thing about the noise art ordinance, we have an issue in our neighborhood. We have one family who, I mean, it can be 20 degrees, and they will have their windows wide open and their speakers in their windows playing gank, the most obnoxious gangster rap that you can possibly imagine. <laughs> so loud that in our houses with our windows closed, our windows are just rattling. Now, wait, would it be okay if they were playing country music? No, it wouldn't be, okay. but it's just, it's, it's especially um, troublesome because, you know, explicit lyrics, and there are a lot of people with young children in the area. Right. So what uh, what has been done about it, if anything? Well, you know, we have called the police about it several times. I have, Our family hasn't, and some of the neighbors have. Mm-hmm. I just think we should just be able to go over and whip his ass. <laughs> Well, well, and you see, when you don't have laws in place to handle this kind of thing, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. But wait, people are going to go and start whipping each other's butts, but wait a and then somebody's going to pull out a gun, and people are going to start to die. You need to have noise ordinances. But wait, what, what, what happened when you called the police? They called the police. Well, they came, and they told him to turn it down, and as soon as they were out of sight, he turned it up again. So then another neighbor called. Well, what has ended up happening, and, and they, here's an example. This guy, nobody likes this family. Apparently. I mean, they've kind of been ostracized by the neighborhood. Everybody thinks they're scumbags, and, you know, it's, it's kind of to the point where if their house was on fire, everybody would probably pull out a stick and, and, and start roasting wieners. Yeah. And, and so my point is this, is that to some extent you have to, you, you know, we have to allow – we have to have some have some morality in our communities again in order to make judgments about things like this and you know just like anything else ostracize people who 
create situations where, you know, they're making it uncomfortable for everyone else. Mm, I understand where you're coming from, and I totally agree with ostracization, but it seems like in this case, the ostracization is just simply alienating these people even more and just making them even more angry at their, their neighbors around them, and it's clear that the police aren't doing anything. You say they've been called a few different times. Isn't there a noise ordinance on the books to where they could be charged with some sort of a crime? What? Why have the police refused to do anything? Well, I, I'm not sure. From what I, from what I understand is, I think that there's a possibility there may not be a noise ordinance in in this city because it's never been an issue before. I mean, we're in Montana. I mean, the, you know, I mean, it's like everybody has a, an attitude, a very libertarian attitude of live and let live. Right. And one of the problems is, though, that the laws regarding, you know, you cannot say say if you have a a housing development or, or something like that. You can't, unless one per, person owns all the property, um, you can't really screen people for who come into your neighborhood. And, I mean, that's a libertarian issue, too. We should be able to screen out people that we don't want to live in, have Wait, live in our neighborhood. Hold on a second. You're telling me that you can't have a gated community? Well, you can have a gated community, but they're pretty expensive. And let's face it, not everybody can everybody can afford that. Well, you know? I'll tell you, gated communities have their pl- ups and downs, um, and I think that this would be, you know, you're not going to hear me advocating for it too darn often, but I do advocate for noise ordinances. I think that there should be an, an ordinance on the book where, you know, a cop could come out with a, what the decimeter, what, what do they call those things? Um, little, decimeter, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it is. They um, read decibels, it's... A noise yeah. meter or something, something like that. Like that. Um, decimeter's a, a metric unit, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, they come out with some kind of device that uh, t- tells how loud it is, and uh, you know they give a rating on the books. You know, it can't be above 250 decibels. Not that I know a darn thing about decibels, by the way. And uh, you know, if it's above that at the street, then then he gets a ticket. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that, Mark. Um, unfortunately, the noise ordinances that we've seen in the past have been written to where there's all kinds of craziness. Sure. Like, uh, well, in a lot of cases, they'll write the noise ordinance where, like you're saying, they read the noise at the front of the property line from the or- the originating source. But in some cases, for instance, they will, if, okay, how did they do it down in Florida? If there was noise coming, fr- if somebody complained they would go to the source of the noise and read, uh, take the meter reading there instead of compl- instead of at the source of the complaint. And I think it makes more sense at the source of the complaint. And once again, when you bring a government's uh, solution into the problem, you're going to have people disagreeing as to what the correct version of this noise ordinance should be. Not everybody's going to be happy. And, of course, it's going to affect um, businesses that have music, businesses that um, are trying to make a, a living off of providing loud entertainment to people it affects those uh those people as well and so you've got all kinds of different people that are thrown into the mix and pitted against one another and i don't think it's uh, while i see where you're coming from and i understand the the emotion behind it i just feel like it would make more sense if for instance we could go with what suzanne was suggesting and that is have neighborhood organizations where you wouldn't necessarily have to have everyone owning you wouldn't have to have one person necessarily owning an entire neighborhood though that would certainly be the best way to go about it 
Um, but that way, if you had somebody coming into a neighborhood and they wanted to buy the house there, they would have to sign an agreement that just simply said they would keep, you know, keep the noise down to a certain level. Let's do it on a private basis sure. instead you of know, doing it with the government. It is voluntary. I understand what you're saying. But all you're advocating for is a different lawmaking body. That, na- um, that neighborhood group organization is going to come up with its rules. They're going to be yes. arbitrary as hell. No, no, no. no. Yes, they minute. are. They're just going to be just as weird. But, that, but that's okay, Mark, because then you can select another neighborhood you can select to move out of Kalispell okay but that's maybe not an option for certain people that have jobs and they might maybe, like maybe the area. maybe you moved into the um, neighborhood found that particular doesn't thing that you agree to having more choices make more sense than having less choices all I'm saying is that all you're doing is advocating for a smaller lawmaking body that's absolutely what I'm doing because decentralization works Suzanne any other thoughts well yeah I mean it, let's face it I mean in your in your home you lay down the law with your children and, you know, so your family, you could say the parents in a family are a lawmaking body in that house. Sure they of course, are. You know, you're going you're gonna to tell your kid, hey, turn the music down or I'm going to break your stereo. Yep. And, and uh, you know, my, my point is this, is that, you know, in a lot of issues like this, what ends up happening is, you know, everybody in the neighborhood basically thinks these people are jerks. And, you know, it's kind of almost at the point where, you know, like I said, if their cows caught on fire, we'd probably roast marshmallows yeah. and, 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 and laugh. But, it, you know, it's, it's a really it's a frustrating thing because, on the other hand, I am really am an advocate of freedom of speech. But this is like, it's you know, this is when it starts imposing on other people, then you have to start wondering, you know, at what point, at what point do we, uh, you know, do, do, do we want to have this? this ruleless or lawless situation. Sure, I see where you're coming from, and and that's why I support having uh, private organizations creating what is essentially private law. And Suzanne, thank you for the call. We really appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Yeah, but you're advocating, you're advocating something that is not attainable um, today. There are lots of neighborhoods uh, in Kalispell and uh, around the country mm-hmm. that don't have um, neighborhood associations. Putting one into place would be extraordinarily difficult. So what do you do in those instances? I mean... Uh, can't you? Then you need to write an ordinance that excludes the uh, the private neighborhoods, and they can write their own. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. Um, it's not an easy t- transition to go from a semi-socialist mentality to a truly free market mentality. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop advocating for it. I'm going to advocate what the uh, what I perceive of as the uh, as the best solution. And in the case of private law, in the case of private interlocking agreements between people, if somebody violates their agreement, then the neighbors would be made whole instead of what you currently have, where if somebody, if you get what you want, Mark, and that is a ordinance that applies to everyone, when someone violates the ordinance, the cops come out, they issue a warning, the next time they come out, they issue a ticket, and the person pays the ticket and the money goes to the police, the money goes to the government. Whereas if there was a private violation of a, of a contract with an arbitrator, the arbitrator could decide that, well, your neighbors have, uh, you've cost your neighbors around you their sleep, and so therefore you've cost them this amount of time, and here's what you need to pay them to make good on this particular uh, mistake on your part. I would and agree that's going to go a long way to, uh, to getting people to behave in the future. Yeah, but it's so far removed from reality. Okay. We can go there, though. More's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates 
and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. If you're on the updates list, and you can get on it for free by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Perhaps it's the right to bear arms. Well, register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Panelists include pro-Second Amendment New Hampshire state representatives and gun organizations, as well as Bill Westmiller, the national chairman for the Republican Liberty Caucus. Visit freestateproject.org slash libertyforum for more information and to get registered. freestateproject.org slash libertyforum as we go to Penny calling from Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, how you doing? Great, Good. Penny. What's on your mind? Um, Alex, is this you? This is Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Oh, okay. Hi. Um, I wanted to tell a, a short story about something that happened to me back in the 80s. Okay, sure. Um, okay. I, I worked for an, a major aerospace company. I don't want to name the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I worked there for about a year, and I started to open my eyes, and I started seeing lots of things going on there. And um, I hooked up with about six other people that worked at this company also, and they were there longer than I. And um, they started telling me about, oh, funny things going on behind closed doors. Hmm. Like what? And they, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Okay. So, they, so, so they told me, okay, keep your eyes open. You've got a good job. You go to, from department to department. You uh, talk with a lot of people who do tests on equipment, and, you know, you could get a lot of information. So I started to do that, and uh, as I began to open my eyes, I just could not believe what I was seeing. Hmm. Um, at the time, this company made one of the most lethal nuclear bombs in its time. It was called the MX Missile. Hmm. And this company, this aerospace company, actually built the brain, which told the missile where to go. Mm-hmm. And that's fine and well, I suppose, if you really need them. And these particular MX missiles, they pop out of silos that are scattered uh, around the United States. They come out of the ground, okay. out of these silos. And so as I was doing my job, I realized that this company was beginning to do tests and um, fix the tests, never even do certain tests and say that they did. They um, created dummy companies and were double billing the government and the tax-paying people. No. (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm talking billions of dollars. Hmm. I'm sure it's true. Um, It's just too easy. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they could do whatever they wanted to do. They had full power. Uh, the government gave them full power, and the military gave them full power. Mm-hmm. Um, Welcome black... to the military-industrial complex. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And I was, I've was i also been in the military, so I, I know what that's all about as well. Um, so what became of all this? You just sort of learned about it and got disgusted and left, or what? Well, no. Um, actually, I began to, uh, I got very angry. And I said, this, this is baloney. I said, this is bull. You know, we are making the brain for one of the most lethal nuclear bombs, and we're buying parts from Radio Shack. And that's what they were doing. They wow. were buying parts from Radio Shack and putting it into the brain of this 
nuclear bomb. Well, yeah, I think works. that that's a nice endorsement for Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose, although... Whenever they tested these uh, MX missiles, when they were supposed to hit the target, they never did, obviously. Mm. Peacekeepers weren't exactly going to keep the peace if they weren't uh, hitting their targets, were they? <laughs> so, but, but what could you do no, about not. it, in though? Fact, Penny, it's an interesting story, but what could you possibly do? I mean, you can't rock the boat at a multi-billion dollar operation like this. I mean, they're just going to get rid of you if you, uh, if you do anything. Did anything ever come of it? Okay, well, that's the thing. The best way to keep yourself safe, and Alex does the same thing, is you make yourself public. The more public you are, the safer, hopefully, you'll be. You know, I actually tend to agree with you on that. I agree. So my friends and I, who all work there, we decided to find a lawyer. We're going to sue the aerospace company. We're going to sue the U.S. government. We're going to sue all the way up to the president. We're going to sue the black part of the government. We're going to sue the black part of the military. Hmm. Because those are the people that were really funding all this and setting this company up. Oh, I almost said the name. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So we we looked around for some um, attorneys, and nobody wanted to touch it. Sure. Why would they? Well, they said nobody has ever whistleblowed on a major corporation, aerospace. You will be the first. And we were. And we found an attorney who was willing to, to step up to the plate. And we said, okay, we're ready. So we got on 60 Minutes, and wow. we, we spoke on 60 Minutes. Um, uh, what's, what's his name? Schaefer, the, the gentleman who just I'll died I'll take your recently. word for it. Okay. Yeah, he, he just died. Um, he, he interviewed us. Um, and that actually, well, that actually went on the air on 60 Minutes? Yes. Yes, we were on 60 Minutes. We were on 2020. So you outed the company. What happened? We, we outed the company. And, well, most of the people uh, resigned or got fired. Um, I stayed. And the, the reason I stayed is I wanted to get more information. I wanted to bust these people wide open. And they couldn't fire me because it would have been a wrongful termination. Mm-hmm. They had no reason to fire me. So what they did is they went ahead and they start changing my my um, um, hours and making me work late at night. Right. And they were making my life absolutely miserable. Sure. They were trying to they wanted make you to quit. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I didn't. And I stuck there for another year. And in that time, I had information, and I'd go ahead and give it to the attorney, and he'd have more to back up what's going on. And mm-hmm. these people knew. Uh, you know, the, up, the upper echelons found out I was on. They knew who you were. Yeah. And 20, yes, and a lot of people blacked their face out when they got on the news and all that, and I didn't. Oh. I'm just a rebel. You know, I, I see. was I was not going to allow this. Now, so are you still with them today? You've got about a minute oh, to wrap this up. Okay. No, I'm not. But I just wanted to to say that I understand how dark things can get. They brought me to an office late at night that was on the other side of this major place. I mean, there it was thousands and thousands of square feet, and they brought me to a dark room. They brought me in there. My, my, my uh, manager took me in there, and there was a gentleman sitting at the front of the room, and they brought me in, and they sat me down on this chair, and one was sitting by the door, and one was standing in front, and he said to me, if you don't shut your mouth, we can do things to you. We can get rid of you. Wow. And I was flipping out. I yeah, mean, that's got to be pretty scary. I, yeah, I could not believe this was actually happening to me. So I, I, I said, yeah, okay, whatever you want. And I still stayed there, and I still did what I had to do. And I got to the point where 
clumpfuls of hair was falling out of my head. I was just, yeah, I was physically falling apart from stress. And what, I uh, finally, I finally went out on on disability. But we did. They they never did take him to court. And I'm telling you, the president at the time uh, was Reagan. He knew who I was. Well, it went all. It probably went all the way up to the upper levels, and that's why oh, you can't expect absolutely. anything to ever happen with these sorts of things. I mean, thank you for the story. Very interesting, and we're glad you're okay. And I hope you get your hair back. <laughs> uh, more on the way. This is your show. You take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. is the place to go. There's live streaming there, a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. So, I want to go into the email box at this point, Mark. We actually had an email come in last, I think it was about a week ago, where one of our listeners revealed to us, anonymously, of course, for reasons that will become apparent here shortly, that he was, or is, I suppose, a sex offender. Okay. And if you may recall, the basic story that we were given was that he was a sleepwalker, and that during one of his sleepwalking sessions, he touched the breast of one of his daughter's friends who happened to be underage at that time. You know, it sounds like an unlikely story, but people do sleepwalk. Sure they do. I mean, it it has to have happened. I, why couldn't it have happened to him? Well, now we have uh, more details from him about the story, what happened, and what happened afterwards, the prosecution and, and the, the punishment uh, that was dealt out. So we go into uh, the email after he reveals his identity, which we won't do, obviously. He gets into the details. He says, I have a history of sleepwalking, especially when I'm drunk or sick or under a lot of stress. My wife has witnessed this, as has my brother and my ex-wife. All these people would have testified to this had my case gone to trial, a trial that I felt unable to afford, and my lawyers, of which I had two, advised against because of something they called the trial tax. It seems that if someone is found guilty at the trial, the judge often finds it necessary to sentence the defendant more severely than he would if the defendant pleads guilty or enters a plea agreement. And right. this is typical. It doesn't just happen in sex offender cases. It happens across the board. And this is how they try to get you to take the plea agreement. Because the, the scare is, it's a, it's a scare tactic. The idea is, if you don't take this plea agreement, well, then we're going to slap you with the, the most possible penalties we possibly can if you're guilty. Well, think about it. How much easier it is for all the bureaucrats involved to give, a, give you a plea agreement. Here, fill out a little bit of p- paperwork. Here, right. sign here. You're going to do 10 years. And, um, you know, the case is over and done with. I mean, think how much more work it is for them. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like to do work. Mm-hmm. Now, Bureaucrats I, like it even less. I, I, I happen to like my job, so therefore I don't consider it work. And right. I don't have to do work uh, much. I mean, housework, and I don't enjoy that. And I generally uh, you know, hire somebody to handle things like that. Right. But, um, y- you know, people don't like to work. And so they're going to punish you if you make them work. Yep. 
So in that case, since he didn't really want to go to jail, and I guess I consider myself sort of lucky because he says I didn't do any jail time. So he did take the plea agreement. Number two, that night, the, the night in question, said I had a couple of drinks, uh, a couple of bottles of Mike's Hard Lemonade. I mixed those with some Sudafed as I was feeling very much under the weather. Hmm. Number three, I was looking at porn, mostly because I was in the middle of writing a horror novel, which included internet porn and chat rooms. The state made a huge issue out of the porn thing, as you might imagine. Number four, I was under an unusual amount of stress due to a situation that has uh, had arisen earlier that night where my son had severely injured himself during a school function. Add this to the fact that I was taking classes over the Internet to get a master's degree and that I was working on the above-mentioned novel, and you can see where my head might have been a little overwhelmed. Number five, I was diagnosed two weeks after the event with an E. coli infection. I believe this had more to do with my condition than just about anything else. I spoke to a doctor who had told me that E. coli could have been dormant in my system for some time and stress could have triggered the symptoms. It could have been working on my brain. You know how your head is when you're feverish, and I was experiencing low-grade fevers on and off for at least a month before the event. And, and when he says the event, they, I think he's talking about the touching. I would imagine. Uh, I would have cost, it would have cost a lot of money to get an expert to testify to this during the trial, and the persecution, I mean prosecution, would have had their own expert to refute mine. Right. This would have added to, uh, to the trial tax if I was found guilty. Relevant to issues on your program, first off, my victim didn't want to have me arrested, according to my stepdaughter. Hmm. She actually went to her school counselor thinking she could trust her and told her that she didn't want anyone else involved. But the counselor was, as you might imagine, required by law to report me to the police. You can only imagine what this has done to the level of trust this young, ma uh, lady, young lady must now have in people. In a free market society, what had happened could have been kept between myself, my victim, and any psychological professionals that might feel compelled to get involved. Law enforcement would never have had to have become involved. When everything had been factored in, I would hope that they would have found that I wasn't a threat to society and would have kept government entities out of it. It's my understanding, he says, that my victim told the state's attorney some things that she told them because they were harassing her and she just wanted to be left alone. As you might imagine, a, uh, a prosecutor smelling blood in the water, going uh, being a little bit overzealous about harassing a young lady into uh, giving up information that she may not have wanted to give up. She did, however, say she would testify against me in court, something my lawyers told me wouldn't be necessary as they had my confession. Unfortunately, I at the time felt that cooperating with the authorities was the right thing to do and gave them an honest statement about what had happened. I found out that they aren't interested in the truth or helping anyone. They're only interested in getting convictions, and they'll twist the truth to their advantage. They, in fact, tricked me into vacating my Fifth Amendment rights by not arresting me and then leading me to believe that they would help me if I was honest with them. They generally do that. Um, you know, anything you say to them, they can use that against you before or after they arrest you. Of course, a lawyer would have known better, and I would have had one had I been arrested and had my rights read to me. Well, they know that, too. I was sentenced to three years probation where I had to go to group meetings with other sex offenders once a week. The psychologist didn't seem interested in the truth either and actually turned it around on me several times. It's incredible how these people can twist things. They were more interested in getting me to admit that I'd planned my attack all along. They also tried to get me to confess to other crimes. It was as if they were trying to make me into a monster in order to, val uh, to validate their treatment of me. Well, you know, in, in defense of the psychi psychologists and all that other stuff, at that point, you're convicted. 
and you're guilty as far as everyone's concerned. They have to treat you as though you're guilty, and there's could very well be out there some sex offender who would ha- um, who could have planned this um, very event and to use this sort of excuse. And so they have to, in order to counsel that person, in order to um, get that person to the point where they're willing to ask for help, they have to treat them like they're guilty, very guilty. They force me to take polygraphs, which always told them I was lying. The question... The huh? question I was lying about was if I had touched any other minors during my probation. Of course, I hadn't. It was extremely frightening and unnerving. Of course, we all know that polygraphs aren't, an admi- aren't admissible evidence. Because no, that's disturbing. They're not accurate. Imagine, if you would, being told by your lawyers for more than a year of hearings that they planned on fighting these charges all the way to trial, then you one day being told that they felt it was better for you to plead guilty because they felt you would get a better deal from the system. Hmm. Even though there was no plea agreement, they asked for some sort of conference with the judge, and he had told them basically that he would not go along with the prosecution's recommendation uh, that I spend 180 days in jail. He couldn't give that same promise if the case went to trial. I pled guilty without a plea bargain, throwing myself upon the mercy of the court. And that's how it went down. I felt compelled to take my lawyer's advice as I knew nothing of how the court system operated and trusted that they did. They felt I would be found guilty by a jury, especially in the county I live in, which is a very conservative county. During my probation, I graduated from grad school and received a master's degree. I started looking for a better-paying job. I don't know how many job opportunities have passed me by because of my conviction. One can only imagine, I suppose. But I do know of at least one. I had a job lined up that paid twice what I was earning. They were very impressed with my resume. Then suddenly, they sent me a letter saying they were no longer interested. Yeah. Chances are they did a background check on me, and they didn't want someone with a felony conviction working for them. Yeah. That's, that's the tough, real. Man. It's the real bummer uh, in all this is... It can be so difficult. Um, you know, these felony convictions, they follow you, and they're, they, it, it can be so difficult after something like this happens for, you know, a man to, to get out there and make his way in, in the world. He says, these are but a few of the facts and circumstances of my experiences. It's sadder what some of these other young men who did nothing except what comes natural with consensual relationships with underage girls. The men themselves were only adults by law, not necessarily mentally. They were 19, 20, or 21 at the time of their offenses, and many of the sex offense laws are very draconian. He says uh, he's going to go into uh, about how he's going to discuss this in an upcoming book that he's writing. And thanks for all the details to our anonymous sex offending listener. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Wallbound on the way wants to talk about a terrorism witch hunt. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, even in these remaining moments. Just enough time for you if you make the call now. 1-800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, of course, at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. We give them away. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites, and we do it for free at freetalklive.com. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff, like at the store, the Free Talk Live store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com to purchase Free Talk Live t-shirts and hats and other branded merchandise. Uh, we've got DVD collector sets, uh, archive collector sets, classic shows for you um, from way back in our local days. They're all there, store.freetalklive.com. And don't forget the very cool Free Marketeer flag, which I've yet to see. We're supposed to get one for the studio here, Mark, so I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what that looks like, the Free Marketeer flag. Well, so we've already got a live free or die, or don't tread on me. Um, the Free State Project, Project flag. flag. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, so, store.freetalklive.com. Also, do... All of the other shopping that you ever need to do in life at Amazon.freetalklive.com. Why bother going to the store? 
Just so much effort and cost you gasoline and time. You go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You shop in the 35 categories of products, everything under the sun you can possibly imagine. They pretty much sell it there. And when you purchase through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, FreeTalkLive gets a percentage. So not only do you get the things you need delivered to your door, great prices, free super saver shipping in many cases, but you also help Free Talk Live out at the same time. Really, what could be better? Amazon.freetalklive.com. Let's talk to Wallbound in North Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. What's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I was just was wondering if you would kind of agree with the 21st century of um, the witch hunt on Al Qaeda and uh, the Spanish Inquisition as a terrorist hunt, and uh, just what you would think on that. Wait a minute. What's the Spanish Inquisition have to do with Al Qaeda? Well, I mean, they just went around grabbing up, snatching up people with mm. our habeas corpus and stuff like that, you know. Well, I think that it's um, it was probably on a larger scale. Um, the the Spanish, Inquisition, the, the Inquisition yeah. was. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're t- snatching up at least too many Americans. Um, Not yet in in this particular net. A few, and they're really disturbing examples. And those examples, I mean, is if you're just want to happen to be one of those people, if you're Jose Padilla, um, you're sitting there thinking, hmm, this is a lot like the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, but you know, I don't know that the guy's innocent or guilty, but doesn't I do matter. know that he deserves a trial. Exactly. It doesn't matter whether he's guilty or innocent. He deserves to go before trial. He deserves to have criminal charges brought up against him. Well, you know what? I think at this point he deserves to be let free. Well, I agree there, too, but uh, who I mean, am I? I I'm, you... just, I'm just a little peon in America. That's right. all sh- I am. There should be a certain point at which you've been held for a certain period of time. All charges should be dropped. It, Look, I... If you're not going to bring up the charges within the first uh, few months, then let the guy out. And don't forget the, uh, the the torture that goes with it. I mean, right. if, if you've been tortured for, you know, three years, you probably should just be let go. This guy is warped. I mean, they've talked to him. They, uh, his lawyers have gone in, interviewed him. He's not even, uh, uh, he's barely even fit to understand the charges that are against him at this point. He's whacked out of his mind from all of the abuse he's suffered. Well, I'm glad y'all see the point that I was trying to make with the Spanish Inquisition yeah. and the hunt for Al-Qaeda with the witch hunt. And uh, first, the next thing I wanted to talk about, or I really don't even want to talk about it, I just want to throw out a formal apology hmm. to you and Mark, Why? gay libertarian, for me posting on the message board the way I did. What I happened? attacked somebody on the message board, and it was wrong. It was, what did you it, do? I just went off. Well, what was it about? I can't say what I said. It was, it, was to a, it was to a post, a comment that I took the wrong way, and I went off on it. Oh. And, Are and you I the just, guy with the icon where uh, it's Uncle Sam getting operated on? Yeah, our Constitution is dead, son. Okay. Yes, it is. And I'm also a free state project, and I will be moving in 2008. Great. Well, very good, and thanks for the apology. I'm sure the people on the BBS appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate hearing from you. We'll see you in New Hampshire. Thanks for the call, Wallbound. 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. A witch hunt! Sometimes the Internet's like that, though. You know, I mean, you can... People you, get upset. You get a little out of control. It's easy. The anonymity's there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you just... You just Get out of control. I, you know, Today I said something that I regret on the Internet. So it happens. Right. Wait, you did it too? I said something I regret, yes. I was, uh, oh, on, was, a, I was on a libertarian uh, board and a posting board that, mm-hmm. about things going on in New Hampshire. And apparently there's... What uh, forum? Uh, the NH Liberty something or other. Hmm. I'm not even sure which one it was. Okay. Um, there's several. And I, they were talking about uh, casinos in the White Mountains. Um, well... I'm all for casinos and people being able to open open up casinos. Yeah. And these people were talking out against casinos. And so I'm like, what? 
are you talking about? I think it's sad that oh, is the Republican Liberty uh, Caucus of New Hampshire. Oh. I think it's sad that uh, you know the Republican li- members of the Republican Liberty Caucus. I didn't call out the Liberty Caucus itself. Um, would be advocating um, you know limiting people's right to gamble and open up businesses. Yeah, that's outrageous. Gambling, and uh, well, it is outrageous. But it was because I misunderstood. Apparently, the state wants to open up casinos in the Ooh. White Mountain. Right. So I mean, you know so as well as I do. You down. They did. And I put you in your place. I said my deepest apologies. And your loudmouth talk show host. That's what you get. Uh, Oh, I even quoted Samuel Adams on him just for fun. Let your chains rest lightly upon you. Uh, I didn't sound pompous or anything. (laughs) Uh, What are you gonna do? All right, let's go to Greg in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Greg. Hey, how you guys doing? Great. What's on your mind, sir? Go see. I called you guys the other day and see if you guys got those Tim Ryan uh, speeches I sent you, Congressman Tim Ryan. You sent uh, you sent them into the show. Yes, I did. I, I, see you I'll tell you what, uh, I am backed up on emails. I will inevitably get to them, I promise that. I hope so. You're missing out on a good congressman, I think. Well. It's actually people, so I want to let you see if you guys got to see it yet. We'll check him out. And, did you have, uh, did you know, you have any, Do you have anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, just not much. Uh, I've been trying to get, I've been on, uh, going to hear a couple times with Sean Hannity. He's the biggest neocon, neocon I've ever spoke to. He is. How'd that go for you? Uh, really pretty bad. I Kind of, I brought up uh, Alex Jones to try to see if we'd have a debate with him, and that didn't go very well. So uh, they cut me off after I said Alex Jones. Mm, I imagine they would. Uh, yeah, they didn't want to talk about it. So, Well, good uh, luck continuing to get on uh, on the air on other shows. It's not easy, is it? I mean, I'm surprised they even let you on. Yeah, they let me on because I was going to talk about Donald Trump and Rosie, the uh, dispute with them. Really? Donald That's what they're spending time talking about on the Sean Hannity show? Is Absolutely. Donald Trump? Yep. And they screen every, you know, they screen you when you call in what you're going to talk about. They want to talk about that, and if you're a Democrat, yeah, that's all they got to talk about on there right now. It's pretty, pretty dull. Wow, really? How long do you, how long do you spend uh, with the screener when you call a show like that, a major uh, national sh- uh, show? I mean, he's the number two show in in America. Yeah, you know, I've got in two days in a row. I've called in. I've got in. It took me probably five or six calls at work to get in. You know, because that speed redial there. Mm-hmm. Four lines. I got right in. They screen you. It took about a ask you. They say, "Hey, this is the topic. What are you going to say?" They type it in, then they give it to Sean Hannon. He screens it himself, I guess, too. And then they really? Put you, I mean, probably in five minutes, I was on air probably each time. I didn't have to wait very long. Sean Hannity screens his own calls. Is that what yeah, you're telling t- me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he won't even. They type in the screener types to him, make sure he's going to take it, and then they put you on the air. Wow, I wouldn't have never guessed. Interesting. Yeah. Well, good. I got on today. He's a great American, and kissed up a little bit. <laughs> Sean, you're a great American, and I love your hair. Is that like? Yeah. Is that what people say to him? I don't listen yes, to the show. They, they do absolutely. Really? So it's like Rush calling it. People call Rush. They give him dittos or whatever. That's the, the Sean thing. Mega giganto dittos oh, from gosh, here up in New so Hampshire. Lame. Rush. It's so I love lame. you. I love you too. I think <laughs> it's really weird when Rush tells people he loves them on the air. Really? <laughs> he does. Well, I love you, Mark. Well, I love you, too, Ian. Aw, kisses. Thanks for the (laughs) call, Greg. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. By the way, the screening process here on Free Talk Live is name, where you're calling from, and in a word or two, what do you want to talk about? That's it. You get put on hold. Uh, You aren't screened out for topic. You aren't screened out because you're a Democrat or a Republican. Um, There is no screening out of calls, unless there is one example, unless you try calling more than once a night. So if you call once, and we put you on the air, and we talk to you, and we're done with you, um, but the call's over, you have to wait till tomorrow night. That's the only rule. So, 
800-259-9231, uh, the toll-free number for you. Mark, what's, uh, what, what did you have I here? got some breaking news up? here. Can I have the breaking news uh, soundtrack thing? Oh, gosh. I love know, that you're thing. You're asking for uh, sound effects here. You, right, you can... will not believe. This is, is it's truly worth the music. All right. We, uh, can, bring it, we can bring it up. Here. Well, just, just one second. Breaking news right here on Free Talk Live. From the AP, Representative Ron Paul has filed papers in Texas to create a presidential exploratory committee that will allow him to raise money. The Associated Press um, Press reported late Thursday the nine-term congressman from Southeast Texas was the uh, Libertarian nominee for president in 1988 and received more than 400,000 votes. The AP reported this time he plans to run as a Republican. Hmm. Big news. Yeah, well, what will the Republican National Committee think about it? That's my question. I, I don't know what they'll think about it, but I sincerely hope he uh, he makes that nomination. Well, you know, I wish him the best of luck, and if Ron Paul actually gets nominated as the uh, the president candidate, I'm going to have a tough decision to make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, though I don't expect it to happen, because the Republican upper echelon, uh, the people who are in charge of the RNC, no way in hell are they going to let a non-neocon run in 2008. There's no way. The political games will be played, and he'll be shut down. That's my prediction. You know, I hope it happens otherwise. If if he does get the Republican nomination, I will vote for him over um, what the heck is the it? Libertarian What's Doug Stanhope. Doug Stanhope. Even That's if it's Stanhope, even if it's nominee. a Stanhope uh, Paul face off, I'm going to have to. It's way give... too early to talk about any of this. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 